0: Welcome to Gems of Motherhood. I'm your host, Sharon Khan. I'm here to connect you with some amazing Gems of Mothers from all walks of life. Each week, you'll hear interviews as well as resources and actionable tips that you can implement in your daily life to be the best gem God has called you to be. Thanks for walking this journey with me today. Please write us a review if you've enjoyed the show. Now let's get into episode seven with Nolene Wakefield.
1: And you know, I thank you. It's very important as husband and wife, is to realize this, your relationship is priority. Yeah. It's not the kids. And you know, sometimes we can focus so much on the kids and um, and it's all about them and making right. them happy and making sure that things are okay, but focus in on your relationship.
0: As husband and wife, you know, kids thrive on it. This episode is going to make you feel like you just walked out of a marriage retreat. Get your notebook ready as Nolene Wakefield shares about how your marriage affects your children. And don't forget to subscribe to the Gems of Motherhood podcast. I met Nolene and her husband, Neil, at Times Square Church. They were part of the pastoral staff as teaching and counseling pastors. They have traveled throughout the United States doing marriage seminars and training up leaders. And they're currently pastoring at Crossroads Church in France. Nolene and her husband have three children and 17 grandchildren. And this year, she and her husband celebrated 47 years of married life. Praise the Lord. Naline, it's so good to have you on the Gems of Motherhood podcast. Well, it's wonderful to be sharing with you this morning. It's,
1: as you said, you know, we've been married 47 years, and um, I did something that we have never done in 47 years of marriage. And I let my husband cut my hair. Oh, <laughs> Oh, I was so desperate that I uh, COVID hairstyle. <laughs> you look amazing.
0: <laughs> oh, well, fortunately, he grows again. So. <laughs> well, he did a fantastic job. <laughs> well, I am so glad to have you speak on this subject. I know we're going to get so many gem nuggets from you. Now, I feel like kids change our lives as parents and as individuals in so many ways, and we begin to make a lot of sacrifices. But marriage also plays an important role in children's lives. So, can you tell me a little bit more on how do you think marriage affects children? Well, I'd like to just
1: um, read a scripture to you from the book of Malachi, and that's the very last book in the Old Testament. And I think this is what the heart of God is for families. In Malachi chapter 2, verse 15, it says, But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit, and why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously with the wife of your youth. And I think that's what... God intended in marriage as he wanted us to become one, husband and wife, because he was seeking godly offspring. And you can just see how important this relationship is to God is because five times in the Bible, it talks about God taking us and making us one. And that's, you can find in Genesis and Malachi, in Matthew, in Mark, and in Ephesians. See, God wants us to be one because he is seeking godly offspring and you know you'll find that in a marriage Satan will always try and divide the two of you mm. and instead of you being one he wants you to become two singles once again and in a sense to be living as married singles but where there's unity and i believe unity starts with husband and wife you know we want unity in the churches in our country, but it needs to start with husband and wife. And when there's unity in that relationship there, God commands the blessing. And I know we've done a lot of things wrong in in our home and in our marriage and lots of ups and downs, but tell you, when you concentrate on your one flesh relationships, it's like your kids see a stability there. Like, I remember our son was going through a really difficult time. He got involved with the wrong crowd. He um, was experimenting with drugs, and it was just a very difficult time for us. One thing it did do, it did improve our prayer times a lot. (laughs) But you know, it's one thing that, that God showed us in prayer is you concentrate on your relationship together. And then when Derek's life is going up and down, when he looks at you, he'll see a stability and that stability of your one flesh relationship will see him through all the hard times that he's going, going through. And I'll tell you, we made a lot of mistakes. We were far from perfect, but we invested in our one flesh relationship. I remember driving in the car the one time and our daughter sitting in the back and she's reading this book and it's called 10 Mistakes That Parents Make With Children. <laughs> <And then> she, <laughs> Your daughter is reading that book. Wow. <laughs> she said, "Aha! Here's another one that you made." <laughs> but you know what? Today, all of our children and grandchildren love and serve God. You know, and I thank God for that. God, you know, let me just say this to you, especially for maybe some of those who watch this this at a later time. Now even if you felt you married the wrong person God can still take the two of you and make you one flesh mm. and give you a good marriage if you allow him the opportunity to do so. You see in Matthew chapter 19 it says that when we choose marriage God takes us and makes two one flesh he does the joining. We may have done the choosing. Mm -hmm. but God does the joining Mm -hmm. and he makes us one flesh. So no marriage is impossible. So, you know, don't give up on your marriage.
0: Mm. That's, that's some really, really good uh, points there. You know, when you mentioned about how uh, your son, you know, mixed with the wrong crowd and it just drew you both much more closer to God in prayer, was there even a time where you felt discouraged and, You know, obviously, you had to keep going and keep going and keep running the race and be strong for your children. Can you share a little bit more of your experience in in that aspect as a unit of one?
1: I think with my husband and I, we did a lot of talking and a lot of praying together and we we stood strong together. I mean, there were lots of times where we felt a lot of despair and um, didn't know where to turn, but always in prayer, it's like God just gives you that peace. And so he spent a lot of time in prayer. And I just remember um, riding in the car the one day and um, that, that verse in Isaiah came up about, you know, how that the rain falls on the ground and what's ever in the ground, those seeds spring up. And um, it was like God was showing us what was deep in our, in our son's heart as we were praying for him, it was like that rain was coming, coming down and God was allowing what was in his heart to come up. And we could see the seeds of rebellion. We could see what was going yeah. on in heaven. And it gave us the opportunity then to, to through prayer and um, talking with him and that to pull those weeds out. You know, yeah, but it was sure. like God allowed that to come up so we could deal with it you know, in, in the home.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. You know, um, so I, I know you also pointed out that even if you think that you pick the wrong spouse, God always join it. Now, sometimes, you know, we deal with our human flesh. How do you suppose that's going to work? Obviously, God is going to work it out. But what if the other person doesn't want to work it out? Well,
1: Again, you know, I think there's, there's scriptures that say that if the unbelieving unbelieving spouse um, is happy to stay in the relationship, you stay in that relationship and you, you pray for them and believe God for them. But I, I think, too, that um, you are only responsible for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think you do what you can. There obviously must have been something that attracted you to your spouse in the beginning, And I think sometimes after marriage, we can start looking at the faults instead of seeing, well, what really attracted me to my spouse in the beginning? And I think if you go back to focusing in on this is what I like about my spouse. And, you know, um, scripture tells us too that this is where a lot of the warfare goes on is in Mm. our mind. And the enemy will always try and plant seed in your mind about your spouse, look what Mm. they're doing. And um, our job then is to pull those thoughts down and to concentrate on what is good, what do I like about my spouse, and stop praying for them and believe in God for them. And, you know, just realizing, like I said, God can take two and genuinely make them one. Um, The breakup, what is the number one breakup in marriage? Uh, Finance, finance and affair. Yeah. Well, the number one breakup in all marriage is selfishness. Mm. and um, That is so true. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think what it is, too, is, you know, like Time Magazine said this, early love is when you love the way another person makes you feel. Mature love is when you love the person as he or she is. And you see, we often get married to fulfill our own needs, but real love is to make somebody else happy. Mm. And um, so, so when you th- think about a marriage relationship, I mean, there's no I in the word team. Right. And we need to see ourselves as that we are teamed together. The um, strengths that he has is what I need, but the strengths that I have is what he needs.
0: Mm, that's amazing. Now, you know, I, I know that in some families, you know, after having children, we tend to put a lot of focus on the children and sometimes we forget about our unit as a marriage. What would you what would you advise, you know, or what would you suggest for a healthy marriage?
1: Well, again, I think, you know, um you go through different seasons in a marriage. And especially like when you have a young child, I mean, it's a season that you go through. And so there's needs that are there. And I think to be sensitive to one another and um, you know, like it's a very tiring time for for a young mother, you know, getting up at night and lack of sleep. And then I think there needs to be just that sensitivity as to what is going on. But I think an important part is for communication to happen between a husband and wife, you know, where she can say, you know, this is what I'm going through. I'm mm-hmm. feeling very tired at the moment. But I think some husbands can feel very neglected and um, that the wife loves the kid more than they love him. And there can even be jealousy Mm -hmm. because of that. So I think communication is very important in that very early stage. And then again, to see that as husband and wife, we have different roles in the relationship. And in this season of life, the mother role is very important when the kid is still little. Mm -hmm. It's that nurturing. It's that kind of um, unconditional love that they have that the kid really feels. And a husband, in a sense, has very little to do with a child when they're babies. Yeah. But then for, for you to recognize that as that child gets bigger, they really need the father's influence in their lives. And, and that's why God has created a husband and a wife relationship. You have the unconditional love, but the father's role now is to bring that child into maturity. And when we recognize that that is what the father does and give them the reign to be able to maybe make some of the hard decisions and to bring that child to maturity. Um, Again, I remember when our kids were, were growing up and we had one of the biggest fights was when our son, he had just come out of... Army reserves, he had gone to the Army reserves to get money for university and so on. And he had finished with Army reserves. And he came home, and it was a couple of weeks before university started. Mm -hmm. So he was at home, he was lounging at home, he um, didn't want to do anything. And I remember Neil coming home and saying to Derek, Derek, I'm not going to let you just sit around at home and visit with your friends, you need to get out, get a job, you need to pay us rent, and um, if not, you, can, you need to leave our house. But I want you to get a job whilst I'm kicking you out, yeah. and you need to rent. And I remember um, going to him and saying, how can you kick our son out? You <laughs> know, he can't get a a job right now. You've got to have that unconditional love. And what if he goes to his friends and he gets involved in drugs and he does this and this and this? You can't get him out. But, you know, the very next day, our son went out here. He actually got two jobs and he started paying us rent. And eventually we just saved that money for him and helped him buy a car. But it was, you see, I wanted him just to... Make things nice for him. Let him be at home. He's going to be at university. Don't put any pressure on him. But you see, the role of the father was to bring him to maturity, to say, son, you need to get a job. You need to go out and work. And again, you know, I think it's very important as husband and wife is to realize this, your relationship is priority. Mm. It's not the kids'. And, you know, sometimes we can focus so much on the kids and and it's all about them and making them happy and making sure that things are okay. But focus in on your relationship as husband and wife. You know,
0: kids thrive on it. I love I love that example you just gave because I think every household faced that situation whereby, you know, should I kick my son or daughter out because they're not paying rent and they're not getting a job, they're just lazing around the couch and you know, most moms are like, No, you know, we gotta we gotta take care of them. We're like mama lion trying to protect our kids, right? Um, yeah. but I love that example that you just gave, uh, which is so true where the father is the one whereby he would try to set them in place. And as you were saying, you know, uh, towards the end about how we have to put marriage first, what happens when you place parenting before marriage? Well, you know, I think you've got to realize that children are huge
1: imitators of what you do, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, You can't say to your kids, do what I say, but not what I do. Right. You know, um, because they imitate us. And the very first people that they come into contact with is you and your husband. And so you need to model for them how you want them to be when they are adults. Like if you respect authority, your kids will expect authority. I remember our kids coming home from school the one day and just swearing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we said, well, um, where did you hear this from? Well, they heard it at school. And we said, well, if you hear us using those words at home, you can use them. But if you don't hear it, you're not allowed to use it. So, you know, you model for them what mm-hmm. you want them want them to, to turn out. And I think as a, as a mother and a father, they watch you. And so I think it's very important that you show affection to your spouse, you know, even if it's it's uncomfortable to you and you didn't grow up with that. Like um, my parents, for instance, they always held hands. I always saw them hugging each other and giving each other a kiss. And, you know, as a child, it gives you so much security and your kids need to see that too. They need to see a lot of hugging and you just showing affection one to another. You know, as they get older, they might just go, oh, sis. I don't like that. But, you know, deep down your kids love you to show affection one to another. And I think when you have kids, you've got to have a date night wherever possible. Right. You know, make, again, make your relationship a priority. Um, You know, if you build your whole life around kids – kids were made to leave home. You know, that's why they're called offspring, they right. spring with you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you don't want to build your whole life around the kids and your job is not to be friends with them, your job is to parent them. Mm-hmm. There'll come a time when the parenting will stop and you will become a good friend with them. Mm-hmm. But when they're in your house, you are parenting them. And so you make good decisions for them. But, you know, have a date night wherever possible. Um, you know, as lovely and as magical as your offspring are, the incessant de- demands can make you focusing on your spouse feel like a luxury. But it's the reality of many parents, especially moms, that the care of children leaves no energy, time or even desire to invest in their marriage. So the fix for that is a good old date night. And it's going to require effort to remain friends, to remain lovers, to be connected with your partner.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I I always tell people that, you know, when you're dating, is work. When you're married, is hard work. When you have children, it's even harder work because – you know, like you said before, you know, the enemy always tries to separate a marriage, and we have to work hard in order to keep that unity. Um, and if one of us slack off, you know, then it, it may hurt the marriage a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And,
0: you know, it does take
1: effort, but it's so worth it. Right. And again, when you have your mindset that my spouse is my priority. You know, you take the time to listen to what your spouse is saying. You know, um, don't always be on your iPhone checking, you know, Facebook or checking all these things. Uh, It's very sad to see how families are becoming, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, We went to, to dinner. This was back when we lived in Florida, and there was this family of four sitting at a table they were in each other's company physically, but every one of them had their iPhones on. There was no communication back and forth. Right. And um, I think it's important as families to at least have one meal together around the, the dining room table where no iPhones and where you just spend that time talking with one another, speaking Completely to agree.
0: one another, yeah, I- in one another. Absolutely. That, I completely agree with that. Now, I, I guess it leads to this question then, you know, um, how much does it hurt a child when there is a conflict in marriage? And what if it was just a small bickering, you know? And, and let's just say you're, you're in a small New York City apartment. There's really no space for you to go into another room to bicker. What do you do? <laughs> I think it's important that you have
1: some ground rules. It's very important that you don't tear each other apart. See, we don't fight as Christians, but we have intense fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> I love
0: that word, intense fellowship.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, in your times of intense fellowship, never make it where your child has to pick sides. But it can be a very good learning um, tool for your kids to realize you do have disagreements but you can compromise, you can work it out. And um, so establish some good fighting ground rules, like it's not gonna be any shouting. We're not gonna walk away from each other. There's gonna be no name calling. And I think it's important that both of you agree to these terms to say, listen, I don't want our children to grow up in an environment where we always at each other. But Mm -hmm. we can disagree and we can do it in a calm way and talk about things, you know, without raising our voices. And I'm sure people are finding out during this lockdown that it's very easy to take our frustrations out on one another. You know, your spouse is right there and um, had a bad day at work. And so we take it out on each other. But it's, it's one thing that Neil and I did in our marriage, too, is we made that agreement is that we would talk about what was really bothering us. Mm-hmm. You know, we we'd bring it to the surface because sometimes if we frustrated, it, we take it out on each other. So we'd say, let's not take this out on our one flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to invest in our one flesh. So let's talk about it. What is really bothering you? What is behind your anger or what's going on in you. And so we'd be able to talk about it and pray about it together. And I think when you do this, you can reinforce the concept of that unconditional love by showing that you can argue and still be okay with one another so that um, even when your children get married, they think, well, it's okay. We can have disagreements. We can work it out. It doesn't mean to say that it's the end of the relationship. That's awesome.
0: That's some really great gem nuggets there. Uh, we're almost towards the end of the show, but I wanted to ask you, is there anything else that you would like to share with other gems of mothers out there?
1: Yeah. Okay. So um, let me just say, I think this is very important for um, women to know this, especially mothers. And, and the, it's this statement, bad moments don't make bad mamas. <laughs> You're going to have those moments where you really think that you, that you failed, that it's, it's no good. But um, remember, you'll have those bad moments. It doesn't mean to say that you're a bad mama. I and love then that. Again, invest in your relationship. Make your spouse the priority and um, the dividends, by the way, are great. And then I just want to close by reading this. It says, how to be a mean mother. <laughs> It says, a mean mother never allows candy or sweets to take the place of a well-balanced meal. A mean mother insists on knowing where her children are at all times, who their friends are and what they do. A mean mother breaks the child labor law by making her children work, washing dishes, making beds, learning to cook and doing other cruel and unpleasant chores. A mean mother makes life miserable for her offspring by insisting that they always tell the truth. A mean mother produces teenagers who are wiser and more sensible. A mean mother can smile with secret delight and pride when she hears her only grandchildren call their parents mean. (laughs) what the world needs now are more mean mothers and fathers (laughs)
0: that's great I think we are all mean mothers then (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much Nolene for coming on the show it was a pleasure having you yeah thank you so much for having me too yes God bless you God bless you too. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Gems of Motherhood podcast. If you're wanting to connect more with some amazing Gems of Mothers and more resources, head over to gemsofmotherhood.com where you can subscribe to the show. That's where you'll find show notes with actionable tips and any links mentioned by our guest. Most importantly, I hope you will find inspiration and learn to cultivate your own journey. You are loved. You're an incredible gem to God. He knows you intimately. He knows what you're going through and he knows what you need. Remember, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in him. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.